0: some very disturbing images and the reminder that God is uh, with us. I wonder what really upsets you. I wonder what makes you mad, um, what gets, your, gets up your nose. I, I, I remember uh, last Easter while we were here uh, just uh, c- celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection and the fact that Jesus was the Son of God Who came and walked this earth and came up? I I turned on my TV and there was the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter Day Saints selling DVD, free DVDs about Jesus, who they don't even believe was the Son of God, and saying, you know, get this free DVD. And this week, um, you you know, we were many of us were invited to go to the Christadelphian Church to learn about how to read the Bible. And how to get into God's word. And they don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. And yet so many people are caught up and think, I just want to get to know a bit more. It makes me angry. It really makes me angry. Uh, You know, when we turn on our uh, TV and read about a little girl being taken and and going missing and... uh, how we think and try and just grapple with the fact that someone might have taken this little girl—it uh, makes you feel really mad. You know, I get mad when I think about the wars that uh, go on, and I think about um, this in Sudan where so many people are so vulnerable to armed forces coming and raping the women and taking and killing the men, and that kids are getting kidnapped and. You know, when I think about the things that so many countries, like our friends from Congo, Zaire, have been through as well, um, it really makes me mad. I wonder, what gets you mad when you see images like that? It makes you think, does God really see this stuff? Does he know what's going on? Does he feel it as deeply as he should? Does God have a plan kind of for turning this all around. And this morning we're looking at a God who hates injustice. And um, I, I, if you knew someone who's a seasoned musician, you know, someone who's a great musician, and if you wanted to make that person just go really crazy, what you could do is just go out to that seasoned musician and start singing just about a quarter of a tone off key. You know, do that the next song we sing and they're going to be going crazy because just a little bit off key, it will drive them wild. Someone with perfect pitch who hears that will go crazy. You know, if you're a gourmet chef... And you're cooking up a beautiful meal, you know, uh, getting a a, maybe a lovely Scotch fillet, and on top of it, you've been cooking it just right, and you put some, you know, lovely uh, kind of gourmet sautéed mushrooms on top of it, and you've got some nice paté around it, and you presented it just beautifully. If you want to drive that gourmet chef crazy, just say, "Have you got any no-name sauce around (laughs) when they serve it for you?" I mean, it would just drive them mad because they would just hate that. And, you know, if you want to stir the passion, raise the anger of an indescribable God, then here's a good plan. Ignore the poor. Neglect widows and orphans. Devalue someone who's got a different colour skin to yours, uh, turn away uh, people who are homeless or hungry, and stand by while innocent people uh, are getting um, oppressed and victimized. It really doesn't take too much to get God really upset when it comes to issues of justice. He hates it. He fires up quickly, and he fires up in a predictable way. He's Sensitive to injustice. And it's not just a sign of some uh, God who's kind of got a quirky upsetness about these things. (laughs) No, no, it comes right out of his character. Uh, God is a perfectly just being. He is a God who is just. And when you're being perfectly just, just like a musician, You can't help it when someone's off key to notice it. Just like when someone's, uh, you you know, really uh, wrecking a beautiful meal, a chef can't help it. It bothers him uh, overwhelmingly. It's maddening to God. It's upsetting when injustice takes place. Just to set the record straight, uh, human beings... We're not uh, perfectly just beings. Uh, That's why injustice doesn't really matter so often to us all the time. I mean, uh, the oppression that we see, the anger, the hatred, the things that we see on our television, the things that we read about, uh, sometimes we'll open the newspaper and look at it and it might catch our attention just for a few minutes, but rarely does it really cut us all the way to the heart, to the core. And very rarely does it cut us so much that we actually act as a response of seeing injustice take place. And truth be told, uh, most of us really settle for a course in our lives where we kind of just expect injustice to happen this side of heaven. We just think that's what we've been Uh, brought up in that's around us and we kind of see injustice and and we wonder whose job it is to right that wrong. Whose job is it to put it right? And we kind of think that, well, shouldn't those people that are making laws in our land, you know, like the parliamentarians, shouldn't they be doing more to uh, deal with the issue of injustice? You know, we think, what about the police? Can't they get onto this earlier so that it's not as bad and can they do something about it? And we think, you know, what about those social workers or the welfare people? I mean, what's wrong with our society when these groups aren't acting fast enough? We kind of think about others who might help solve the, job, you know, solve the problem, do the job. Whose job is it? Well, I wonder whose job it really is. I think this morning as we look at this God who hates injustice, I think we're gonna uh, understand that God's heart is that he hates injustice. And that's why he speaks to us to help do all that we can to try and figure out ways where we can help right these wrongs. I've been doing some research for this message and uh, it doesn't take too long of just looking around uh, at the different resources available to realise that there are lots of injustices in our world today. I mean, there's lots of them that are going on and this morning I just wanna focus though mainly on one injustice and uh, it's one that's wreaking um, just a level of uh, destruction or havoc around the world. Um, that seems to be above all the others it 's the uh, injustice of economic injustice now there 's uh, lots of things that are going on right now like environmental injustice and there 's issues about you know um, the sanctity of life you know uh, in- injustices and there are issues about women's, women, uh, women's rights and, and children, the way they're treated, and there are so many, you know, war, all the different things that are going on. But I just think if we hit this morning, the main one, the, the one that seems to stare me right in the face of economic injustice, then we'll be having more than enough to challenge us for this message. You know, the truth is that God really hates economic injustice. Most um, informed scholars who have studied this for a long time are really of the opinion that if um, our generation, that in our generation, if we don't take some radical uh, you, you know, steps right now to end economic injustices um, that are so much around us in our culture today, then future generations are going to look back on us and say... Oh, What were they thinking? You know, what were they thinking back there in 2007 when there was so much inequality in the world and yet they stood by? Um, People are sort of saying it would be like what we do now as we look back on the stories of the Holocaust and how people just, you know, the silence kind of allowed so much of it to happen. And there seems to be a lot of truth in what those people are saying. Did you know that in the last 24 hours, uh, while you and I were sleeping last night and just 24 hours back, um, while we were in our beds in our comfortable homes, 30,000 children died because of hunger and easily preventable diseases. Most of those deaths are, are due to people living in extreme poverty. And they died because their drinking water was, uh, didn't have purification aspects and they got sick from drinking it. And they died just like that. They died for uh, lack of a kind of like 20 cent uh, pill that would be widely available to us and to people in developed countries. And uh, it just wasn't available to them in their situation where they were live, living in their setting. And um, tonight, another 30,000 children will die. It just goes on, 365 uh, days of a year. And I think, you know, what does God, what does that do to the heart of God? You know, how does that make him feel? And what does he do, do when he sees that? You know, right here in Australia, we're um, a a, a real wealthy country. We have so much. And one of every seven children born in our country is born into poverty. Um, Three million families in our country can't feed their children, uh, you know, three square meals a day. They don't have the means. Australia has... um, Uh, The the Age, in in an article, said that Australia has by far the most overvalued houses in the Western world, with prices 52 per cent higher than um, justified by rental values. That's an OECD uh, finding. In a new analysis, The Age reported, of the housing boom sweeping the developed nations, uh, the price of housing relative to incomes is 50 per cent higher in Australia than in other countries as a group. Uh, it's true that during the last decade or so, average house prices relative to income have almost doubled. The proportion of first-home buyers has fallen by about 20%. Average monthly payments on new uh, loans have risen by 50% to almost fi- to $500 now. And the proportion of low-rent homes have fallen by at least 15%. Opportunities to rent public housing has fallen by at least 30%. And the truth is that many Australians now cannot find affordable housing to purchase a home. And people can't find affordable places where they can live. Um, And you might say, well, maybe they should just, you know, try and work harder but the truth is that many people are working very hard but their level of income stops them from ever getting to a level where they can just pay the rent, pay their own food and have enough left over to save so that they can get a deposit and so it's very hard. So people are in a cycle of renting for their whole lives and and never getting out of that and as I reflected on this, one of the main reasons is that many people that are poor and live in areas where they don't have a lot of income aren't helped in the way that you and I are. And I wonder this morning, you know, if you and I were to, we were asked for a show of hands, we won't do that. But I wonder how many of us were helped in getting our first house by our family, you know, like where our mums and dads might have helped by giving us a loan or, or helping us have some, something to help towards the deposit. And I know that's a great way of helping people get a start by just giving them some money to help get a, uh, a deposit. I know that's the truth for, for Mandy and I. We were helped by our parents you know, to, to, to get that initial Money that would help us get out of the rental market into, a, into that. Now, there are a lot of poor people, a lot of people that can, don't know anyone that can just turn up with a few thousand to help, you know. And so they stay there for lack of that kind of help. We've just been thinking now about Australia and uh, some of our needs there. But if you look beyond Australia... Uh, you've got to really fasten your seatbelts as you look at economic injustice. And most of you know there's 6.6 billion people in our world at the moment, and 3 billion, almost half of the world's population, live on less than $2 a day. Uh, and half of that, you know, 1.2 billion, uh, Sorry, half. So that's half of. Uh, that's almost half of 6.6 billion live on two dollars a day. And of that half, 1.2 billion live on less than a dollar a day. Now you think of that. does it? What would that mean to a parent who uh, watches, you know, watches the little jacket that their uh, child have falling apart, and thinking, I live on one dollar a day how am I ever going to get my child a new jacket? You, know, uh, you think of it when uh, another baby comes along and you need more money to stretch for that and yet you're only on a dollar a day. Um, just as an aside, in uh, the amount of money spent in the US this year on uh, diets, diet products, is $13 billion dollars. And uh, there are so many people that are living on a dollar a day just to get by. You know, um, when it comes to bread and food for us to eat, just the basic necessities of life, the maths doesn't add up. Um, And I think it just breaks the heart of God. And... um, this is why God knows that he created a world of plenty. He made a world where there would be plenty. He knows that this planet that we live on can actually uh, support and provide enough food for us all. It's not uh, kind of like... Um, a supply problem. It, it's not like there's not enough land and we don't have enough tillable soil, you know, that there's not enough um, area, not enough water, that we don't have enough resources. God actually created an abundant world. We don't have a kind of a supply problem. But uh, ex- ex- experts estimate that we have a food production capability in our world, to feed this world five times over. Like we could feed the world five times over, experts believe. So we don't have a supply problem, we have a distribution problem. Uh, And this flows out of justice. You know, that uh, if we could just organise the distribution enough, the world could be fed five times over. And that's what breaks God's heart. That's what really, uh, you know, uh, makes him mad. God knows that the wealth, wealthy few control the rules and the economic game. And um, right around the world, God knows that the poor often have no connections, no voice, no say in the corridors of power to change their situation. And when he sees that, God just doesn't look on it with a cool kind of detachment The scripture kind of reveals to us that the knowledge of ongoing economic injustice has always infuriated God. You know, in the Old Testament, um, God gave very strict orders to a society on how they were to lift up the poor and how, how they were to look after those who were poor amongst them. You know, in Leviticus, the first things that he says is all of you landowners, you to know, carve out just a, a tiny piece of your land and to uh, break off a, a piece and give it to people who are poor in your area and don't just um, just, just help them, help them get by. And then another rule that he says, was that when you are to loan to the poor, don't uh, charge them interest. You know, you're not to do that. God says, Uh, they're already poor, so don't you start making a profit off them. You can loan them stuff, but just don't loan it at interest. And in Leviticus 19, verse 9 to 10, uh, God tells the rich, rich people there. We could turn to that. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19, 9 to 10. He says there to the, to the rich people, he said, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. He's saying... Uh, you people that have got more, uh, I want you to do this. Why? Well, because after sundown, the poor would come and they would be able to collect all the leftovers and they'd be able to go home and they'd be able to feed their families and, and God said, that's just the way I like it. That's what I want. I want you to be helping those that are less advantaged than you so that the kind of disadvantaged can be lifted up. And the poor helped. Sometimes people didn't pay attention to those rules. And uh, the rich said, hey, you know, we don't want to live by those rules that you're you're saying, God. We don't want to live like that. We want to live just the way that we want to live. And you can read about that in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 7 and verses 11 to 12. This is what it says there. But they, and it's the rich, they refused to pay attention. and This is the people refusing to pay attention to the rules that God had laid down. And it says that they stubbornly turned their backs and they stopped their ears. What a, what a picture. You know, it's like hearing what God says and they sort of put their fingers in their ears. They stopped their ears and they stopped hearing the cry of the poor, you know, This is the picture you get, people going, oh, look, there's people that are crying and starving, but we just prefer to, you know, not listen and not listen to God's heart on what it is. And it says, uh, verse 12, they made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. Again, God's predictably angry when he sees injustice take place. He always has been. He always is. And he always will be angry about economic injustice when the rich oppress the poor and when the rich aren't trying to do all that they can to lift the poor out of their plight. Now, occasionally God's people would pay attention and they would listen and they'd say, okay, God, you know, we're listening to the rules that you'd laid down and, um, and, and we're obeying. And at these times, he would pour out his favour on the people and he showed compassion to the poor. Look what it says in Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58, in this beautiful uh, passage, verses 10 to 11. It says, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well watered garden, like a spring whose water never fail. God said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour out blessings on the people uh, who have economic means if they're trying to use their means to lift people up who are impoverished. God's going to say, have a heart for those people and and have have a heart and I'm going to lift you up. Perhaps the key verse... um, in the Old Testament is the one we read earlier, Micah 6 and verse 8. And many of you may know it and maybe have memorised it. And it says, he has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, I've looked at this passage a number of times and studied it a number of times. And I don't think it's actually doing any, um, like, violence to the text to kind of um, think of it like this way. It could be read just as easily like this. As you walk humbly with your God, you will uh, learn to show mercy, uh, show mercy or kindness, as you walk with your God, his mercy and kindness you know, will kind of take residence in your life. You'll become someone who's increasingly merciful and kind to other people. And over time, as you walk humbly with God and you show mercy, a sense of inherent justice will take up residency in your life and you'll look for ways to right the wrongs in the world. You know, uh, you'll love mercy. You'll do justice as you walk humbly with your God. Um, You won't feel noble or self-righteous about it, but you just couldn't imagine doing anything else but being kind and showing mercy as you walk humbly. I've seen this happen in our church. I've I've seen us um, humbly coming to God and then as we're doing that, becoming more and more kinder to the people around us in this community and to see our hearts opening up more and more to the people of the world. I've I've seen it happening in the past years in our church. You know, in... uh, 2006, uh, we gave away $65,000 from our annual budget to people who are less fortunate than us. And we gave that money to our community, people around, to struggling farmers, to people in our church who just needed a hand to get through uh, some tough times. We we gave it to smaller Baptist churches who are far worse off than us uh, to be helped in their ministry. We gave away 7,000 to people who were uh, in, suffering from natural disasters in our world and we gave that through Baptist World Aid. We gave more than $12,000 to Malawi last year in the appeal and I think God is pleased with that kind of giving. But you know what? I just think he wants us to continue down that road to keep giving to people worse off than us to help balance the inequity in our world. This year we want to do that more and more as a church and I just want to suggest a few ways that you and I can do this in our own ways. The first thing is to let's continue to give. Let's just continue to give generously. Uh, This month, you know, you have heard and we've seen um, about the work of John and Angela Wilmot and their family and what they're doing with uh, Total Life Care... Did you know Malawi is one of the top 10 of the world's poorest nations? I mean, we've picked a great place to adopt. Uh, I mean, adopting Malawi is right on God's passion and his heart to help the poorest. In the top 10 nations of the poorest in in our world and we've adopted them. Um, Not only that, Over 60% of Malawi's 12 million people, listen to that, are termed ultra-poor, 60%, living on less than 75 cents a day. Uh, Do you know, in Malawi, HIV, AIDS has affected 15% of Malawians, aged from 15 to 49. And and it affected so much more than that, but it's infected that many people. Um, Do you know, AIDS is a really different... A killer than like the flu. You know how we've had outbreaks of different plagues and the difference from AIDS is that in other kinds of killers, they've taken the, poor, the, the, the small kids and the elderly have been hit. But with AIDS, it's different. It's the most um, able-bodied people suffer the most with AIDS, 15 to 49-year-olds. They're the farmers, the workers, the doctors, the people that are in, in there giving their all and when someone like that dies... It affects the whole family. You know I mean? That's why you've heard on the DVD that they're dealing with orphans and widows and, and people who are left alone because their husbands who have been working and trying to help are left are hit by the AIDS crisis. And in this environment, this is what John Wilmot writes. He says, in this environment we find ourselves... We're, const- we're constantly working amongst those living with HIV AIDS, directly impacting women, orphans, and the elderly. The limitation of what we can do and how we can proclaim our faith in both word and deed has no limits. Running programs aimed at poverty reduction in over 140 villages and gospel planting in over 30 villages impacts not only their physical development but their spiritual development also. Together through GIA, we can impact, we are impacting some estimated 10,000 people. We're being asked to contribute towards that. We wanna help uh, you know, alleviate some of the injustice, economic injustice in our give. Think about that. Think about how can I give over and above my regular giving? You know, how can I do that? Pray about it. Ask God to move your heart in that. Uh, another way. Um, It's not only let's continue to give, but let's continue to put ourselves in the place of challenge. You know, every time when you pick up a newspaper, you can go to the sports pages or the front headlines, but you're not going to find out about world poverty by looking up our newspapers and and just trying to find little things like that. You you need to search for information. You need to uh, put yourself in places where you'll be challenged. Um, One of the ways we're doing that is we're sending Five people. Our church is sending five people to go right over to Malawi to meet John and Angela Wilmont, to meet the different families that are over there, and to to see what's happening, to smell, to touch, to feel, to see what's going on. And we've got uh, five people that are doing that. Mark Docking's going, um, Gail Hill's going as well. Carolyn and James Punton are going, and uh, uh, Naomi Campbell as well, oh. Nicole Campbell as well. And they're going soon. And they're going to go and arrive there and meet the people and understand. And and do you know what they're doing? They're saying, God, it's just not enough for me to imagine what it's like. I want to put myself right in the place where where you just wreck me. You know, where you put so fully on my heart the injustice in the world that you changed my life forever. You know, this is our first trip like this uh, for this, this year that we're doing with the adoptive People Group. But you know what? We're going to be hopefully doing another one next year. And I just challenge you. Say, God, you know, is this something you're calling me to do? And start saving and start getting ready for next year's one. I, I think continue to put yourself in the places of challenge. Let's continue to give. Uh, so what about you? Is God calling you to go to that next year? I think the other thing is learn all that you can. Um, There are some incredibly um, informative websites. Uh, One of the ones that you can go to is uh, Micah Challenge. Just look that up on the internet. Um, The One Campaign, uh, one.org, www.one.org is a great place to start learning more about it. Just look up, you know, Poverty.com. Look up different places and find out what's going on. But educate your mind about it. There's some great books. I've just ordered um, a good uh, good book, The End of Economic Poverty, um, uh, is one that I've I've just uh, ordered from the library that's coming in. I'm going to be reading all about that. And there are so many great books that you can um, get into. But educate yourself. Make it your responsibility to find out about the injustices that are going on. Pray about it. Let's let's pray about it. Let's continue to give. Let's continue to put ourselves in places of challenge. Let's learn all we can. Let's pray. Let's pray that God would continue to use you and me and our church and other churches and people all over the world to help right this wrong. And the final thing I want to say is let your voice be heard. Um, Let your voice be heard. Uh, today we're in a real political environment, aren't we? I mean, everyone wants our votes at the moment. It's kind of exciting. Um, This is a great opportunity to let your feelings be known. It doesn't matter who you're going to vote for, but you can let everybody know. Let John Howard know. Let Kevin Rudd. Let all the political parties know that you care about injustice and you want our... Our uh, country to be doing more to help reduce the debts of the poorest poor, to help give more of our uh, GDP away over you know, to other countries that have less, to help continue to do some of the agreements that we've made um, in the past and to, and to fulfill those. You could do that. You could write a letter just asking that. It'll make a big difference. If you go to one.org, you can sign a petition. Uh, that will go to the world leaders and Micah Challenge too have those ways. You can just put your name to that. That's a voice that will be heard straight away. I said one more thing, didn't I? This is one more quick one. If you can use your skills that you have in a way that helps the poor, do it. I've heard about a guy in our church who's studying uh, medicine and he's tried to get he's organised it so that his prac can be done over in Nepal and he's going to be uh, over there so he can get to know that in his medical training. He can use that and actually start to say, God, what are you doing? How can, you, how, how can I s- serve you more in my work? If you're a you know, painter or a builder, why don't you find some places that are the most poorest places in our community, you know, and and give it a good once-over, you know, help them out. Or if you're an accountant and there's people that are just, you know, are really needing help, why don't you volunteer some time helping them. See how you can help use your skills to right the wrongs. You know, uh, God really cares about injustice and he's put us here on this earth to help do all that we can no matter how small, no matter how uh, big, to help right the wrongs. And uh, I just pray that as you consider all these kind of things, letting your voice be heard, learning all you can, praying, considering places how you can put yourself in the challenge and continuing to give, to help do your part to right the injustice, the economic injustice in our world. Let's pray, shall we? Oh God, it's no wonder we have surrendered our lives to you. It's no wonder that we've uh, given everything over to you because we see how much you have loved us and you love this world. And today as we've seen what your heart is when it comes to injustice, we just see that you are a God who is so just and right and wants right things to be done. And we just want to echo your sentiments, God, in our lives. We want to live our lives in a way that is standing up against injustice wherever we see it. Oh, God, would you move our hearts deeply? Would you move our church? Would you speak to us in our daily lives, God, about ways we can continue to practically help? God, we just pray that as we walk humbly with you, that we would grow more and more in our mercy and kindness towards others. And just the natural outworking of that would be that we would be a church, that we would be a people that stands up for injustice, stands up against it. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.